Amen, amen. Well, good morning, Identity Church. I hope you're all ready. You know, I am because we just had Christmas yesterday. You know, I probably put on 15 pounds. I, I've got my go weight. I mean, we're ready for the new year, 2022. It is, it's time to get ready for a new year and a new vision. You know, one of the things that keeps coming back to my mind is the fact that I think maybe some people in, you know, maybe some people have heard messages like this that, hey, we've got a new year and a new vision. And some people has never heard this before. I, I, I think that a lot of times people just kind of think of a, a vision is something that I'm just, it's a goal. It's an accomplishment that I'm trying to, that I'm trying to get down. Like, hey, I put on 15 pounds during the, during the holiday season, and now I want to go and I want to take that off. And everybody puts down on there, I'm going to work out and I'm going to, I'm going to eat right. And then, you know, a month later, they don't ever do it. And one of the reasons why I think that we get into this back and forth because we separate out these ideas in our mind that I'm going to write a goal down, I'm going to write a vision down, and then I'm going to figure out a way to do it. And see, what I want to, to convey to you over the next week or two, because I'm, I'm going to extend this out because I, I wanna, I'm going to touch on some things today. I want the people that are here to think about their vision for 2022. But then next week, we're, hopefully we'll have a lot of our people back, and I want them to think about their vision for 2022. I think this is very important. The Lord keeps bringing it back up to me that there are things that are unfinished, there are things that are in people's lives that they need to take account of. And they need to say, what is the desire? What is the next step? What are the things that I need to do? So I'm going to get to kind of doing some in-depth teaching on what the vision is. Who actually has a part in this vision? Because sometimes a vision is something that I can, I can do all on my own. Sometimes it's something I need help with. So we need to understand what our new vision for 2022 is going to look like. But then we need to understand what do we do with that? I mean, if, if I'm sitting there and I'm going, hey, I don't even know how to to handle a vision that God's got on my heart. What do I do next? So I may be able to give you some anecdotes because believe me, in my life, there's been a lot of times in my life where God gave me a vision to do something and I was completely blown away by it. I didn't know how to do it. I didn't know where I was going. Nobody was around to even be able to help me. They didn't understand. They didn't understand where I was going to go next. But you know what? A vision is something that can expand to other people. Other people can catch a hold of your vision. And if they catch a hold of your vision, then they can help you with their vision. Sometimes it actually helps pro propel their vision. So we're going to get into this, all right? So everybody that has ever heard a vision, uh, a vision message, Habakkuk chapter 2 is always going to be taught first. So I'm going to be no different. Habakkuk chapter 2. And by the way, if you say uh, Habakkuk or any of these others, then you're weird. Okay? It's Habakkuk. All right? Anyway, Habakkuk 2, 2 and 3. It says, Then the Lord answered me and said, Write a vision and make it plain upon tablets. That is a, a paper, a sign, a post-it note. You know, there's a joke that's out there that says that Moses was the first one to download from the cloud into the tablet. 
Do you know that, that God is trying to not just give you a big Ten Commandments thing that you put on a wall because guess what? My vision is going to change. If I went and put, did like the Ten Commandments and I had you know, these big um, monuments, if you will, to the visions that God had for my life, do you know how many of them have changed? I would have one vision and I would write it down and then God would come back six months later and say, hey, that's a good vision, but we're going to change it a little bit. You know why I think some of that happens? Is because you got a hold of the vision, but other people didn't. I'm going to say that again. Sometimes you got a hold of your vision and other people didn't get a hold of it. So the people that were supposed to help you, the people that were supposed to be with you, the people that were supposed to do something, they were like, eh, I'm not going to be a part of it. So sometimes you got to change that vision a little bit because you got to get other people on board. I'll tell you this. When I was a, when I was a teenager and... I got a hold of, I can do all things through Christ Jesus that strengthens me. Man, that, that scripture became rhema to me. It became a living word in my heart. And I had written down that I wanted to be in computers of some kind since I was like five years old. And I remember, you know, I remember telling everybody, hey, I want to go, I want to actually go into computer engineering. I want to do something like that. And I remember there was a, I had told the youth pastor at our church at that point, uh, Joe Chafin. Joe Chafin, he knew that I wanted to go into computers. So he worked for a Sipco pipe mill, okay? And a Sipco had, you know, an office area, and they had these people come in, and they were technologists. And, and Joe said that he was walking through. He'd seen this guy a hundred times, never talked to him, never done anything. Said Joe walked over to him and just said, I just felt like that I should ask you, what do you do? How did you get into this? And he spent 15 minutes and the guy said, hey, I have these certifications and I do these certain things and, and I'm not going to bore you with all the details. But Joe said, okay, and he wrote some of it down. And he said, your name, your face popped up in my mind the moment that I saw this guy. And so Joe comes up and he gives me, he was like, hey, this guy went and he got Novell trained and, and he's got this certain Microsoft training and he's got all these certifications. And I'm sitting there as, a, as kind of a construction worker. That was what I was doing. I was doing construction, outside construction, which is great. That's a great, um, in fact, most of them make more money than a lot of computer engineers because they're, Highly skilled. No one wants to do it nowadays. So, you know, they're probably making $100 an hour or something. But one of the things that the Lord kept putting on people's hearts was to come and tell me about things. Now, my vision, I was pretty open with it. So open with it that some people said, no, you can't do that. Some people would say, yeah, sure, that's fine. And it was kind of a nicety, you know. Yeah, that sounds fine. You know, I'm going to make small talk with you and then I'm going to move on. But, you know, there were some people that they heard my vision and said, how can I take this vision and do something with it? There was other people that started seeing my vision and they started finding opportunities to be able to bring answers to me. Because it says here, 
in this same verse, it says that he may run who reads it. Now, that has nothing to do with my vision. It may be your vision. Somebody out here may have a vision and I see it. You tell me about it. I hear it. And guess what? It may be that the Lord puts something on my heart and I go talk to someone or I help you to do your vision because the runner may not be who the vision's for. Okay? I know concepts here. Some people may have never heard about writing a vision. Some people may have written a vision and they've done this and all of a sudden you have somebody tell you, you're the runner. You, it's your vision. You're the runner. Well, guess what? That's not the way it's worked in my life. I just, I can't see it. I see where I've written a vision and there's been people like my wife encouraged me. It's people like Joe Chafin that's went and talked to someone and then all of a sudden it's like, there's a vision. The vision's growing. People are seeing it. Well, I found out about this Novell thing from Joe Chafin. I started looking into it. The only place I could go to is Nashville, Atlanta. So Heather and I are, are, are about to get married. I'm like, do I go to Nashville? Do I go to Atlanta? Do, we, do I go get Novell certified? And it was like, you know what? I'm not established. I have no way of doing this. And you know what? I just said, Lord, you're going to have to show me how I can do these things without me moving. Because I, I, at this point, I just literally don't have the you know, place, I don't have the ability, and I don't feel like I'm supposed to move. Well, uh, everybody knows Lawson State right now. You know, it used to be Bessemer Tech. And Bessemer Tech had a program. They actually sent it, and Heather and I were sitting there looking at this thing, and I said, they're opening up a Novell classes so that I could become certified. It was opened up for me. I really believe it. I, I mean, there was 20 other people that was in this class with me, but it was opened up for me because I prayed about it. And I said, Lord, you're going to have to open this up. And guess what? He did. He opened it up. And you know what? I went. So the runner ended up becoming me too. I had to run to Bessemer Tech every single Tuesday and Thursday and do a class so that I could become Novell certified. Well, guess what? The visions kept changing. Novell is pretty much a done deal other than SUSE Linux or whatever, and I won't get into all that. It's still around, but nobody's making money at it. So then the Lord got me into Cisco Networks and and started getting me into telecom and, and everything else. And my vision changed. And because I did a little bit of this and a little bit of that, and I, and I started becoming proficient in all these things, now I'm a cybersecurity engineer, and I talk to people about endpoint security and network security and transport security, and, and I'm on all these committees. And you know why? It's because the vision kept being tweaked. And every time I would run in the direction of the vision, there would be other people there going, hey, let's try to get you more. I still remember, I go to work one day, I'm sitting there and they said, hey, we're going to go get you certified as CISSP. It's a really prestigious thing, y'all don't probably care, but it's pretty prestigious in the cybersecurity world. I said, okay, I'm going to do it. Do you know that when you write a vision 
and all of a sudden the vision doesn't look exactly like the vision you wrote down, but it's in the ballpark, and somebody starts trying to help you out, start listening. Because guess what? The runner is not just you. It was the other person running up to you and going, hey, I'm going to help you out with this. But it doesn't look like your vision. You know, most of the time when a vision comes to you, it's just an idea. It's just a, it's a thought. It's a, it's a, it's a nicety in a lot of ways. You know, it'd, it'd be nice if I could learn how to play guitar. You know, I have people all the time tell me, hey, I'd really love to play guitar. And I go, it just takes time. It takes time and a guitar. If you got those two things and you start doing it, and you will be better at it six months from now than you are right now. That may mean that you only play one or two chords, but you at least know those two chords, right? Most people, they get a vision for their life and then it dies because they don't run. See, every time a vision comes to you, you get to choose whether you're going to write it down and whether you're going to run after it. And see, that's what I want you to understand here is that the vision is sometimes for you. Sometimes the vision is to help other people help you. So writing a vision down, and I can speak my vision. You know, I'm speaking the vision every time I stand up here. I speak the vision of Jesus Christ. I talk about him. But I'm also speaking the vision of the church, being able to build a community, be able to build a family here at Identity Church. I'm speaking a vision that you people are out in the, the world. and you might Somebody goes, hey, I need a church. The next thing you know is that you're telling somebody about the church. They show up here. And then the next thing is we have another family member, right? See, sometimes a vision is nothing more than an opportunity for somebody to parrot what you said. And you know what? That's one of the reasons why we need a family of believers. You don't need a family of unbelievers. You know how many times in my life I've had unbelievers that were close to me and they, they wanted to kill my vision? You know, there's that scripture about, you know, tossing your pearls before the swine, Right? Because the swine goes and they trample on everything. See, a pig, all a pig knows how to do is eat poop and basically eat more and trample stuff. And see, that's what I want you to understand is that when your vision comes along and you find somebody that says, eh, I don't know if that would really work out for you. You know what you need to do? You need to go, all right pig, I'm going to go over here and I'm going to eat with the lions. See, that's what I want you to understand is that, is that being a part of a body of believers is probably one of the most important things about your vision. If you don't have a vision that you can't share with people, how many times have you had something that God was putting on your heart that you didn't know what people were going to think? They were going to go, man, you're weird. How many I mean, I know there's got to be more. Okay. Because I'm going to tell you, there's been a lot of times that God's put something on my heart. And I, there was people, I was like, I'm not telling them that. Mm-mm. Not going to do it because I know what they're going to say. I'm going to get made fun of. I have a friend of mine. He was so much into to telling his vision about everything 
that it was to his own detriment. This man would tell everybody about his vision and he would even get himself, you know, it, it, would, it would affect jobs and everything else because sometimes you need to go, okay, that vision is for the next verse, which is an appointed time. Because it says, for the vision is yet for an appointed time. See, what we have to understand is sometimes I don't need to speak my vision until the appointed time. Because sometimes you may not even know my heart. You know, I know there's a lot of you in here are family, but some of you aren't. The first time you met me, would you trust me with your money and your house and your... No, you're not going to. You shouldn't. Anybody who, especially a minister, if a minister is standing on stage and says, oh yeah, trust me, run, okay? Everybody needs to have a certain decorum about how we build relationships with people. But see, that's what we have to do is we have to understand before I speak my vision, before we get into this situation with each other, are you going to be a pig or are you going to be a lion? Because if you're a pig and you're stamping on my vision, then I need to go find somebody that's going to be a lion that's going to tell me brave ideas and brave thoughts about where we go. Because it says here in verse 3, it says, For the vision is yet for an appointed time, but in the end it will speak, it will declare, it will be, be made known. It means at the end of all this, you know, after probably five years, people quit doubting my vision for whether or not I was going to be in technology. I was working for the power company. I had a really good job working in technology. I was an engineer working in a telecom environment. Everybody looked at me and said, that guy's vision's working out. Hey, even the pigs were going, yeah, that's pretty good. I like that. Do you know that, do you know that in the end, people are going to sit there and go, you know what? I knew you could do it. Even though behind their back, they were going, nope, not ever going to happen for that guy. And it's because when the truth finally comes out, when, when everything's laid out on the table and people go, man, that actually worked out for that guy. It's not going to lie. They can't even lie about you because the truth is in reality. It's material. It happened. And see, what I want you to understand here is that when this thing speaks, when it declares, you're going to look like a hero. Well, guess what? All the people who were standing around you, I can tell you Reba and Charlie and mom and dad and, and Matt and everybody else that was a part of this, Heather, you know, at the end of it, and they were going, hey, yeah, we knew he could do it. Well, guess what? They look like awesome people too. Now I trust them. Now I'm trying to figure out how to further their vision. What do you want to do? Where do you want to be? And see, when we're a family of believers, then our vision starts to malign together. You know, I remember Matt, we were, we were doing um, youth and everything, and Matt plays piano for us, and he was playing uh, in another church that we were at. But, you know, being with people and having a vision, it causes you to have a camaraderie. You start finding ways of being able to do ministry together, to be able to do family together, to be able to, to have friendships together. 
See, it's not just, well, I need a piano player. Matt, you're, you're the closest thing that I got. All right, come on up here. I might have wanted, you know, Bruce over here, but Matt's there. No. After a while, I know Matt without a shadow of a doubt. I know his heart. I know that he flows in the Holy Spirit. I know that who he is and I can trust him. I don't care as much about his piano playing, which he's a great piano player. But his heart is better than his fingers. I'm just going to be honest with you. I would trust Matt with my money and my family and with all the things because I know Matt. See, that's a part of the vision is that we have to be able to trust each other. We have to trust the vision. And it says here, it says, Though it tarry, wait for it, because it surely come, it will not tarry. You know, one of the things that I, I find when people go, you know, I, I don't really know if I've ever had a vision. I don't know if I really, you know, other than I just want to lose weight or I want to do whatever. I don't know if I've really had a vision for my life. I've got a meme up here and it's supposed to be, you know, uh, from the office. And, you know, um, uh, essentially it says, I don't know what I'm writing about. And then Dwight says, all you need is motivation. False. You need fear and approach to a deadline. Well, you know, that's the way most people live their life is, I, oh, something's about to happen. I'm about to lose my job. My, my industry's going down. My, my family's going down. My, my house is going into, you know, going defunct. I have no way of being able to pay my bills. That's when everybody goes, I'm going to write a vision. I mean, most people, that's when they start praying, Right. Hey, I'm not even going to pray. I'm just going to wait until it all goes to heck in a handbasket. And that's when I'm going to go to God and say, hey, let's, let's do this. Let's do this, God. You're, you're a mighty and awesome God. And God's going, where were you six months ago when I was scratching on the inside of your heart? Hey, Dusty, you might want to start writing a vision. Do you know that that when people start writing a vision, most of the time they're in the midst of fear and an approaching deadline. And they wonder why their vision fails. You know, that's a false statement by, you're wrong, Dwight. You're wrong. You know, if we listen to the Holy Spirit and we let love and peace guide us, then what we have to understand is that now... I can have a vision two, three, four, five years from now. What if it, what would be if all of a sudden I was in the middle of a field that was going defunct? Let's just say cybersecurity, which it's not, but cybersecurity was going defunct. Okay, and all the training and everything that I ever had. And the next thing you know is the big thing was being a carpenter. Well, you can't just be a carpenter overnight. I've got a friend of mine that he runs a handyman business and he's pretty good at it, but he's been doing it for what, six, seven years now. And I was talking to him not too long ago and he said, I'm still learning. I'm still on YouTube. I'm still asking people, how do you do these things? Because even though I know how to do some things, there's people that I walk in and they show me a new way to do it all the time. Do you know that time and vision is all you got. 
Now, if you're real rich, then don't worry about any of this because you can pay for all your stuff on your own. But I want you to understand that God is a God that wants you to have a vision that you walk through. That there's steps, one step, two step, three step, four step, to the fact that you get to a place to where, hey, I see growth. Do you know that just like a, just like slamming on your brakes at 120 miles an hour, that's called a wreck. You're going to go careening off the road into a power pole or whatever. It's going to be done. Do you know that the same thing is, is that if you go zero to 120, which some of these Teslas, by the way, we were talking about this the other day, they can get up to like 120 miles an hour in like two seconds, three seconds. That's called a wreck too. Because eventually you're going to hit the gas and the tires and the pavement are not going to be in sync with each other. Do you know that growth too fast is always a wreck? It's one of the reasons why 98% of all people who win the lottery, they're broke, on drugs, and sometimes they're dead. In fact, a high percentage of times they're dead. And it's because nobody was designed to grow overnight. Growth comes one step at a time. So I have to know my vision. I have to run towards my vision. I have to let God change me, help me with people. And then I have to get to a point to where now I'm growing. You know that God used to send prophets to people all the time. And he would tell them, hey, this is the vision for Israel. This is the vision for for how you should live your life. But, you know, the thing is, is that God would declare these words and the people could either grab a hold of it or they didn't. And a lot of times Israel didn't do that. And you'd see them go into captivity or you'd see some other things happening. But what I want you to understand is that God is declaring this stuff in our hearts now. He's not coming to a prophet. I will never get on stage and tell you, Vicki, thus saith the Lord. You're supposed to go and start a ministry in South Africa. Well, guess what? I've had people do things like that. Never told me to go to South Africa. But I've had people say things to us, some outlandish things to us, that I was like, I don't accept it. Do You know, you don't have to accept a vision of your life. You don't even have to accept a vision that God gives you in your life. You know, that's, that's how awesome God is, is God gives you a choice and he's not mad at you if you say, oh, God, I'm... I mean, if I had told God back 25 years, 26 years ago, I'm not going to go towards computer engineering. I want to keep doing construction work. God would still bless me as a construction worker. I still would have been a blessed person. He wouldn't have said, I'm now mad at you. I'm not ever going to deal with you, Dusty. I'm not going to... I'm not going to show you what to do next. You know, God is constantly trying to tweak your heart. And sometimes we say yes and sometimes we say no. But see, now we don't have to have a word from some prophet that stands up and declares something over you. Like they did back in Israel. We have the Holy Spirit on the inside of us through Jesus Christ that He is speaking to us every single day. You know, I have more visions that come into my heart and a lot of them I say no to. 
You know, there's been a lot of them I've said no to because I just didn't have the time, money, resources, or whatever. You know, sometimes I believe that God himself put something in your heart and you say no to it, and then later on you say yes to it. There's been a lot of things. This ministry had to do with God telling me back a long time ago, you're going to do something. By the way, if you, you know, I've said this before, but God told me I was going to minister. I tried ministering to a youth group, like, you know, giving, standing up and doing this in front of a youth group. I was horrible at it. If you think I'm bad at it now, it was 10 times worse, okay? I think Matt was even there. He probably could give me an amen from the cheap seats back there. But what I want you to understand is, is that it was for the appointed time. See, God will tell us something and then we'll get a vision for it and then the appointed time comes along. Well, the appointed time was 15 years later. It wasn't, oh, I got it today. Can I preach tomorrow? Can I go find somebody to let me preach tomorrow? I mean, if God gives you a vision and says, hey, I want to preach, you know, or I want to, to be a minister, I want to do something, and you come to me, I'm going to ask you a couple of questions. When did God put this on your heart? Now, I'll let people teach. I'll let people minister because people gave me a lot of grace there. But I do want people to understand, hey, this may not be for this appointed time. He may be trying to prepare your heart. Do you know that every vision that you have through God, whether it's your family, whether it's your job, whether it's, it's anything, ministry, God is constantly having to prepare your heart so that you can actually say yes and mean it. You know, I, really quick, I've said this before, but some of you may not have heard it. In 2011, God started changing my heart about going into ministry. It was 2014 when, and it was the same thing as the, as the Novell class. I was not wanting to move to Atlanta, and I didn't want to move to Colorado. I had a really good job. And I asked the Lord, I said, Lord, I would like to be able to take Karis classes. They didn't have um, online classes at that point. And I said, I would really love to be able to take Karis classes. So, Lord, open up an, an avenue for me to be able to do that. And I was thinking correspondence, or I was thinking something like that. Well, 2014, they have... a. Andrew Womack, who founded Karis, he had a, um, like a gospel truth seminar in Birmingham, in Atlanta. And we went to the one here in Birmingham, and um, Cynthia Vincent, she got up on stage, and she, she said, hey, we're opening up a Birmingham campus of Karis. I mean, it was almost exactly the same way. The Lord opened it up. Now, Everybody goes, well, that's great, Dusty. God's just really answering all your prayers. Hallelujah, praise the Lord. Well, I didn't sign up. I didn't go to the first class at Karis. It wasn't until like a year later after they had opened up the Karis Birmingham that I went through. Now, most people were taking halftime classes. I went full-time. The Lord told me, Hey, you're a year behind. Go, oh, excuse me. You're a year behind. Go take full-time classes. And I was working full-time because I was supposed to be doing some stuff. He had some people. He had y'all on my heart. You know, I almost said no. 
See, my vision was a vision that God was trying to get to me, but he was also trying to get to you. You know, a lot of times we look at it and we say, there's a lot of work that comes along with that vision. In fact, most of the time, a vision is all work. A vision is not a million dollars is going to fall in your backyard. By the way, if God puts a million dollars in your backyard, it's probably counterfeit. Do not, don't go to the bank, okay? Because God doesn't make money. The U.S. government makes money. And we're printing a whole lot of it every single day. But see, the actual resources that God uses is opportunity. And opportunity requires work and lots of it. And at the end of that opportunity, there are paydays. Everything's great. I'm having a great life. Everything's good. I can't, but I'm not a millionaire. God didn't drop a million bucks in my backyard. But see, that's not what a vision is about. A vision is about how I can influence, about how I can be with the people that I'm supposed to be with, how I can influence their lives. You know, whenever I get a vision, I also have to get her to see the vision. My wife is sitting on the front row. She's a saint. She's been with me throughout this whole thing. And every time I've gotten a crazy idea, a vision or something, she ends up, after a certain amount of time, she goes, okay, we'll make this work. Do you know that I never, ever, ever have a vision and go, tomorrow, this is what we're doing, babe. You know, that there's sometimes I have a vision. You know, the reason why 2011 came along is because I talked about this vision all the way up until Heather actually was the person going, you're going to have to go. This is supposed to be what you do. Go do it. Get off your butt and go do it. And that's my vision and my, my you know, person that was whipping me to go was not God. It was Heather going, you're supposed to be doing this. Go do it. See, sometimes you need somebody to know your vision so they hold you accountable. Because your vision is for an appointed time and you need accountability partners to go, you're screwing up. Start working. See, I want you to understand that you're writing a vision for yourself, your family, your friends, or anyone that can help you out with your vision. The runners are, are a lot. One vision may have 25 people running around trying to get that thing to you. You know what? That's good. Because you have 25 accountability partners that are coming after you and going, I've been working hard for you. You need to do something too. See, everybody here needs to do something. Everybody here needs to have a vision for their life and everybody here needs to have people helping them run their race. You know, I always thought it was funny. Paul in, in Philippians, he would always talk about how, you know, he wasn't arguing with the people in the grandstands. That he just ran his race. Well, you know, the people that are in the grandstands that are screaming and hollering, you can't do it. You can't do it. Do you know that they don't have a vision and they're not helping you with your vision and they're pretty much just wanting to see you fail because they feel like they've failed. They fall into the pig category. 
You got the whole grandstand of the pigs over here screaming and hollering. Oh, you can't do it. You can't do it. Let me trample on your thing so you can't win your race. But you know what? That's one of the reasons why the lions sit there and go, eh, I'm not going to tell you whether you can do it or not. We're going to make this work. Let's get together. You know, I don't know if you guys have seen this, but when we moved in here, Cultivate had a background up here. And it was one way on the background. In fact, I'll tell you a small little story. We had the alarm go off here at the church. It was like 11.50 one night. I run over here. The police officer's here. We go through the building. He comes walking in and he asks me a question. He goes, so did y'all put that backdrop up? And I had to go, no, that was here from the last church that was here cultivate. And he goes, yeah, I know because I put it up. Yeah, that was me. I did that. And you know, right then, I said in my mind, my vision is I'm getting that thing off that wall because y'all know how many people said, hey, did you do that? And I have to go, no, that was from Cultivate. <laughs> you know, my vision became something where I had to go put a vision in Dad. And then Dad, not only did he run, he sprinted. He had pieces of paper that he had out there. And I mean, he had all this stuff and, and he was like, this is what we're going to do. And I'm going to get wood and we're going to do this and we're going to do that. Now it's not complete, but it, we're, we're getting closer, right? So dad's got this whole idea. He put it out there. But all I said was, I want to get the other one. I want to get cultivates backdrop off of our stage. That was the only vision that I put out to anybody. Let's do this. And you know what? Dad designed it. He did all the things for it. He came over here and helped me. And within two days, we had this thing to where it's at right now. Now, there's a couple little things that we're going to do, <clears throat> and it's going to get better. But, you know, my vision, I could have come up here and just slapped some stuff on the wall, and it would have been different. But because I projected a vision out to other people, <clears throat> that had a lot more insight, thought. They wanted to do it. Now, I had dad going, this is what we got. Because I had no idea what it was going to look like. I had no clue what this thing was going to look like. And you know, because I was able to project that, now we're, I don't have to go tell people, hey, yeah, that's Cultivate's backdrop. No, this is, this is Identity Church's backdrop. We did this. This happened all inside these four walls right here with all the people that are sitting in this room. You know that that's, that is what a vision does, is that when it speaks, it speaks the truth. That when it's finally come to pass, I don't have to go, yeah, that's my backdrop. That's not Cultivate's backdrop. And the guy goes, you're a liar. <laughs> I did that. I go to Cultivate. So sometimes your vision is going to have to have some prerequisites. I'm going to try to get through this really quick. I know I've told a lot of stories and I've done a lot of things here, but sometimes you need education, volunteering. Sometimes you got to move. Sometimes you got to go to another place. We went from a, a church that we were at for, I mean, y'all were there for 30 plus years. Um, I was there for over 20, almost 20 years at the time. We went to Jacksonville, Alabama. We went to another church and helped them start another church. So within like seven years period, we were 
in order to follow the vision that God had put in our heart, we went and did all kinds of little things that I probably wouldn't have done. And some of them I didn't like doing. How many people want to drive three hours a day to go to church? Okay, how many people have driven three hours a day to go to church? There's only three of us right now. Caleb was with us too. Do you know that we did that for over a year, a year and a half, right? About 14 months. Do you know that when, when God told me to go do something else, it was a relief? But do you know that I needed that 14 months? I saw so many awesome things happen. And I learned how to do some awesome things. I was able to stand on my own two feet and not have a pastor that had been in it for 40-something years do it. When there's somebody that's not been there for 40 years and it's only you and one other person that's been doing this for not a very long amount of time, you start figuring things out really quickly. It's called swimming in the deep end. You either drown or you find out a way to get from the middle of the pool over to the sides. And that's what we did. And you know what? After a while, we were able to swim around the deep end for a long time. And it was because I did those things. Sometimes your, divisions, your vision is going to take you in a direction that you didn't realize. It's going to lead you to unexpected places. And you know what? That's good. It stretches you. It expands your tent cords, just like Isaiah 55 talks about. So the just shall live by faith. What time is it? Anybody got the time? I don't have my... 11.38. Okay. So the just shall live by faith. Habakkuk 2.4. It says, Behold the proud. His soul is not upright in him, but the just shall live by faith. What I want you to understand here is that God, God's vision basically means you're going to have to have help. Our vision is... I'm very... And, and see... I want everybody to understand this. Whenever I talk about selfishness, I never, ever, ever go with the thing of what benefits me. If you've got a vision, it's going to benefit you in some way. I'm fine with that. A God vision is going to benefit you. You should say, Lord, benefit me. Okay, that's not selfishness. I know that's been taught that way, but it's not. Selfishness is saying, I can do this on my own without any of God's help. I want all the credit. I want all of the, I want all of the glory. I want everything. That is selfishness. See, once we get this idea of what God understands selfishness to be, then we start going, oh, he didn't want me to do this on my own. He doesn't want me to take the glory from him. So, I need to find his desire. I need to understand what he's going to do next so that now I can look back and go, you know what? I can have some really awesome stories about what ended up happening. I give glory to God about having this church, about being in cybersecurity, being in all these other things that we've done over the years. And the reason is, is because I could not have done any of that on my own. I didn't even have a high school education when I started going to get my Novell certification. Okay? So, at the end of the day, I can come back and tell, tell you all, hey, God did this. God was the one that propagated 
all of this in my life and I give him total glory for it. See, selfishness would say, well, guys, I pulled myself up by my bootstraps. I was able to, I I didn't know something, but I was also smart enough that I knew something. How many people have you heard that have said that? Oh, I, you know, I did, I did all these things and all the accolades and it's like, yeah, but really, especially athletes, I find this all the time, like NBA, NFL, and they'll say something about, yeah, I'm, I'm really good at this or I'm really good at that. But you have to go back and look at all the people they were with, all the people who taught them how. And those are the people they should be giving the glory to because they're the ones that taught them how to run the football, throw the football, hit someone, do whatever it was. See, that's what I want people to understand is that if, you are, if you're trying to be selfish, then what you're going to do is you're going to end up saying, I want all the glory for myself. So God is constantly saying, hey, you can't do this on your own. That's how big the visions have been on the inside of me. That's how big the things that have been on the inside of me is I've had to go find people. I've had to let people help run with me. I've had to have help. Help is a good thing. That's one of the reasons why we tell people about our vision. But the proud, oh, his soul is upright in himself. I can do this. I'm awesome. Look at how good I am. And see, but the just shall live by faith. It means that I'm going to trust that God and the people that he's put in my life are going to help me to fulfill the things that he has put in my heart. So Psalms 37.4, everybody's seen my thing where the guy's holding his leg up, being flexible, and that he turns around and he's got his under, you know, you see his pants leg off and he's got his underwear on. This is what I want you to understand is that when we're flexible, God is going to give us desires and visions, and they're going to be his. And he's also going to bring them to pass. He's going to help people to do that. He's going to show us where we need to go next. In the midst of our world and struggles, life doesn't have to be a struggle. Now, I said that. That sounds totally contradictory. But you know, in my life, there's been struggles. I've went through the dot-com bomb, the housing bomb. I've went through all these different things. Lost my job. I've done all these things. And God has always put me in a place to be prosperous. God's always put me in a place to be able to do the things that I need to do. You know why? It's because I give him glory. I know without a shadow of a doubt that two weeks after Heather and I got back from our uh, honeymoon and we spent two and a half months without having any income, I mean, dad just loaded us up with hot dogs and with those tubs of barbecue and all this other stuff. We ate great. You know, the Lord told us, go sell some of the stuff that you got from, from, our, um, from our wedding. And then all of a sudden, somebody came up to us and said, hey, they're opening up a contractor job at Southern Company. That was two and a half months later. See, what I want you to understand is that God says, I can struggle. I can actually get to this place where, where I think, man, Things are going wrong, and I just hunker down in my wrongness. In fact, Psalms 23, 4, most people know this. 
Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff comfort me. And you may think to yourself, man, that's very comforting. I used to not think so. I didn't even really understand what this actually said. Until I heard Andrew Womack kind of talk about this one time. And I thought to myself, that makes sense. I'm in a valley. And there's death out there. And it's a shadow that's over me. It's not death. The valley's not death. Nobody's dying. There's nothing going on. It's I'm walking through life. And all of a sudden, there's all this stuff from social media and from the news and from all this other crap. You know, my son was really upset a couple weeks ago because there was all these things that was going on. And I told him, I said, these are but just shadows. I said, you're okay. Where you're at's okay. You're going to listen to the Holy Spirit. He's going to lead you and guide you into all the truth. There is going to be awesome things in your life. And if you listen to the shadow, then guess what's going to happen? You're going to be hit with the fear. You know, one of the things I, I would tell you with your own kids, you know, we have Harper Grace. She just turned three today. She's my goddaughter. Which basically means that, you know, God said that I was going to be her dad. So, you know, like, oh, here, no. Matt and Amy are back here. But see, I look at Harper Grace and I look at Kaylee and I look at Caleb. And I think to myself, how do I teach them to be able to understand that life is going to have shadows? That there's going to be the semblance of death that's always going to be around them. That there's going to be the wars and the rumors of wars. That there's going to be all this other stuff and that it can try to come in and squash your vision. It can try to come in and say, well, I guess I might not need, you know, I had one of my kids tell me the other day, well, should I really have kids because, you know, things are so bad? Yes! Yes, have a vision, have a family, have everything that you need to do because God never said stop multiplying. You know, that's a promise that he put way back then. We've got 7 billion people on this planet because God said go be fruitful and multiply. Do you know that this is not the death, that it's a shadow and if we teach people to make their vision based upon shadows and not the actual thing that God's putting in their heart, then you will always live a defeated life and you will never, ever accomplish anything in your life. You'll be too scared. You know, I'm speaking to my daughter back here because there's a good possibility that she's going to be married well within a year. And as a father, I have to quit listening to the shadows. Because as a father, I just want to go and fix everything. But you know what? She's got to learn how to deal with the shadow. You know, one of the things I love about this scripture here, it says, it says I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. See, when you have to understand what the rod and staff are, your rod and staff, 
The rod of God. I don't know if y'all have ever heard anybody teach on the rod of God, but I'll give you a really quick synopsis about the rod of God. Moses was in the desert, the burning bush. He's talking to God. God says, go and talk to Pharaoh. Pharaoh is big king. Moses is running from big king. In fact, Pharaoh was his bigger brother, stepbrother. Because the dad had already died, this is like, you know, this is his stepbrother. And after he killed the Egyptian, he went into the, the wilderness. So God is out there and he's going, hey, you're going to go talk to Pharaoh and you're going to tell him to release my people. And Moses says, I don't speak well. There's no way he's going to listen to me. And he tells him, he says, take your stick and throw it on the ground. And he throws it on the ground and it turns into a snake. And he says, go pick the snake up. And the moment he goes picks the snake up, it turns back into a rod. And God himself says, this is the rod of God. In fact, I want you to understand, this thing was actually anointed by God as a power outlet, as a connector to God's authority and power on the earth so that Moses and Joshua could use it. Do you know that when they built the Holy of Holies, it was a part of the power that was inside of the Holy of Holies, inside of, of the, um, oh, it just, it just left me. Um, the what now? The Ark of the Covenant. They put this on the inside of the Ark of the Covenant. It was there. Because it was an extension to Israel of God's authority and power. See, later on, Psalms 23.4 was, was created. And see, when it says your rod, it's talking about God's rod and his staff. They comfort me. It meant that the authority of God that's on the inside of us now through Jesus Christ, he's an extension just like a rod that has been placed on the inside of us. He is that authority and that power Matthew 28 says that all authority and power have been given unto Jesus and now he's turned around and he's given it back to us so that we could actually utilize that power here on earth. Do you understand that God gave these semblances to Israel so they would understand their power and their authority? But now that Jesus Christ is on the inside of us, Jesus is an extension of that power and that authority that lives on the inside of us. So when all these shadows and all these things that are vision crushers come to us, Jesus is on the inside of us giving us the authority to be able to destroy the enemy. To be able to say, I've got authority over you. You go in the name of Jesus. You know, my kids, I actually heard Caleb the other day. He was in his room, he was about to go to bed, and I heard him say, just know in the name of Jesus. Do you know know in the name of Jesus is the most powerful prayer that you probably can do? You know what the other one is? Help! Do you know that us using our authority is the greatest thing that we can do? Do you know that there's been many a time in my life that my mind... And my emotions have been just so, ah, they've just been so tied up. And you know what? Because I had not renewed my mind, 
We're going to talk more about things like spirit, soul, and body in a couple of weeks. But I want you to understand, sometimes I just had to go, no, no, Dusty. You are a son of God and you are going to fulfill all the things that God has put in you. You know, that's a powerful thing. Everybody needs to look at themselves in the mirror and say, you are loved by God. They need to look in the mirror and say, no, I will. Satan, you don't have authority over me. I will fulfill the things of God that is on my heart. I'm calling forth people to help me do it. When I'm weak, they're going to be strong. They're going to be the ones that I agree with. Not the people that are the naysayers, the pigs in the stands. These are going to be the lions that are going to run with me that are going to continuously keep us in a place of peace. And as our vision is being brought forth and there are things that we should be listening to God about, when the, when the you can't do it, you're not able to do it. You should go, No! I will fulfill the things that God has on my heart. I will do it. I become obstinate. I'm going to tell you what, sometimes the most anger that I've ever had is when I've been told, no, I can't do it. And I go, by God. I saw Harper Grace do it just the other day. We were at the house and she was going, no, daddy. No, daddy. Because Matt wasn't letting her do something. You know that we don't, shouldn't be saying no daddy. We should be saying yes daddy. And we should be looking at Satan and all the other people and going no. I will fulfill. I will do. And I won't let the shadow come and overtake me. You know quit fighting shadows. I'm tired of fighting shadows. I, I've, I've gotten it in my, my head. Even last night, there was a shadow of something that was trying to come against me. I just said, no, I don't fight shadows no more. It's not worth my time and my effort and my energy. I don't fight shadows. I, I work with the vision and I work hard on the vision. But I'm not going to fight a shadow because there's nothing to it. The authority, the rod of God that is on the inside of me. It is there. It has been given to me. It's an extension of power and authority through Jesus Christ. So this is the last slide here. I'm just trying to give you some examples of what a vision in your life would look like. What you might want to write down. Okay? I'm going to give you a couple of, of examples of what we're looking at for 2022 at Identity Church. And then maybe just a couple of personal examples that you could utilize but simply, a vision is what you see, what's on your mind, or in your mind's eye. How many people have heard of your mind's eye? Right? So most people, they, they think in pictures. And Andrew Womack used to say, hey, how, everybody right now, tell me how many windows. Now, you don't have to scream it out. But you can sit there and think about how many windows are in your house. Now, do you sit there and, and, you know, are words going through your head like, well, you have three windows? Or do you actually picture your house? Do you picture the windows in your house? I mean, I can sit here right now and I can think about the, the three-picture window that's in my dining room. I can think about the one that's in my, 
that's in my um, laundry room. I think about the two that are in, in the back of my house where our sitting room is. There's one over the sink. I see my sink. I see the fireplace where my sitting room is. And I can go through and I can count every single window because I can see it. Do you know that your vision is no different? Do you know that I started dreaming and visualizing about what a church would look like? What would a church look like in my home? Hmm, back when God was telling me in 2018 we were going to do this. So I started thinking about what would this look like? I started thinking about what that would be like. I started thinking about what it would be like to have a, to have a place like this. We would go and see a place, and I would go see this place, and it would be like 1,400, 1,500 square feet. You remember we were like over on Kent Dairy? We'd go into the place. Everybody would look at it and go, yeah, this, this is great. We could do this. And I would be sitting there, and I'd go, yeah, I'm starting to see it. And then all of a sudden, the Lord would go, no, think bigger. Your vision is not yet for this time because you haven't seen the bigger. You haven't seen where to go next. And then the... Heather and I would be sitting there and we'd be driving away and I'd go, no, the Lord just keeps putting bigger on my... And then Heather would go, yeah, for us to do a fellowship in here, it would be really tough and for us to do that. And then now you start marking things off. Like, okay, that doesn't really look like my vision. It doesn't look like the windows in my house. Somebody was trying to put another window in my house. What the heck is going on? See, that's what your mind's eye will do is that you start trying to fit something into your vision that's not there. But no, God actually will put something in your heart that when you start seeing it, you go, that doesn't look right. Guess what? It's not the appointed time. It's not the right vision yet. So Psalms 37, 4, let God put a desire in your heart. But real quick, I'm just going to run through some of these. And these are not, this is not a complete vision for Identity Church. I'm still working on this. And by the way, your vision may be six months from now, you're rewriting it. It happens to us all the time, especially when we, do, we start marking stuff off. But Identity Church's vision, to reach Alabaster and Shelby County, you know, maybe some more advertising. Mailers, ads, I know Heather's not really looking forward to that, but um, oh, we, we went through it when we were trying to do the last mailer. But guess what? We got some, we got Betty, one of our, one of our family members, because of that. It was well worth it, but it was work. <laughs> I mean, so at the end of the day, you sit there and go, what is a better way? Sometimes the better way is just to work. So we may just work. Um, so one major outreach, maybe like a fall festival or something else, maybe like a back-to-school thing, just anything that can grow the church, get people in the community to know that we're here. Um, so two more community collaborations. I'd really like to be able to do something like the sock drive that we just did. By the way, that was awesome. We had over 400 pairs of socks that we put out. There's going to be people in Shelby County wearing your socks. How about that? How awesome is that? I'm even thinking about some of these, and I put asterisks by these because this really has to do with people. Because I'm not going to throw a vision out to people and go, just get on board with my vision. I'm going to talk about some of these things, and I'm going to say, what do you guys want to do? Do you think that this looks good? Because if you say no, then I go, it's not for this appointed time. 
It's for another appointed time. So having some learning events. Um, Heather and I have talked about this, having like cyber and physical security topics for the community where you bring, I mean, I can do security talks. One of the things that I think is really awesome about this is the fact that when you reach out to the community and you give of yourself, you give of the things that you have, then people actually are blessed by that, whether they come to church here or not. We're just here for the community. I don't care if they go to church somewhere else. I don't care what their affiliation is. But if somebody said, hey, I don't know how to secure my home. I don't know how to know if I'm being spammed. I don't know about anything. So I've actually thought about this. The Lord's been putting on my heart a lot more about maybe doing some security events, teaching people how to do some things, what to look for, how to interact online, how to do different things. This is what I do for a living. I've been doing it for 25 years, so I know what I'm doing. So this is one thing that I can actually go, okay, I'm not trying to find somebody to help me. Now, I may bring other people in if it's a big deal, but this has to do with whether or not people actually want to participate. I've also been thinking about a midweek service if there was people who actually wanted to do it. I have certain people that do ask me if, we've had a, if we have a midweek service because they go to other churches. Do you know that sometimes people get, want to get fed from more than one place? So we may actually do a midweek service because it's what people want. But if my congregation goes, I'm not going to show up to that, then I'm not going to do it for two people that ask me. I'm going to, I'm going to find out if this vision rings a bell with y'all. And if it does, then great. If it doesn't, then we'll, we'll put that on a shelf and we'll wait. Maybe it's not the right time. So I'm going to also give you some personal examples. And I'm going, to, I'm going to close here. So Matt, if you want to come on up. Um, you know, a lot of the personal examples, I'm not, I'm not going to sit here and give you like what my list are right now. But what I will tell you is that there's some areas and, and opportunities that you can use in order to, to basically create your own personal visions. So Relationships. You know, a lot of times people don't even think about this, but vacation is supposed to be for family. Now, if you want to go on a vacation by yourself to Cabo or whatever, then go do it. But, if, but a lot of times a vacation, and we use this all the time in our own family, is a time for us to be together. You know, most of the time my kids, you know, they lived with me. But when my daughter goes out and she starts having her own family, I've got to figure out ways of being able to have interaction with my kids and with my grandchildren eventually, just like my dad did. My dad and them, dad and mom, they would pull together vacations. Reba and Charlie would pull together vacations, and we'd go spend a week together, and you get to see all the good, the bad, and the ugly. Exactly what family is. We get to know each other in a way that we didn't just by showing up weekly, monthly, or whatever. Also, you know, social events, being able to have time with people. Job, what do you want out of life? You just want to work every single day and just work, work, work. What, what kind of things are God putting on your heart about flexibility, opportunity, money? 
These are the kind of things over the years that Heather and I would put down. I would put down, I want to make this amount of money and I want to, I want to have this amount of flexibility and I want to have these opportunities. And you know what? It was actually a good number of our visions that we would sit there and mark it off. Now it might be 18 months later. But if that's something that's on your heart and it's 18, 24, 36 months later, that's fine. But it keeps the vision. You know, one of the things was is Heather would have to sit there and go, how's this going to change our family? How's it going to change our dynamic? So I just didn't jump at the first thing that come along. Because opportunity is only good if everybody has their, has their part in their opportunity. Because right now, it, you know, I got offered a job back 20 years ago to work in uh, Ohio. Not going to work with this woman. I'm just going to tell you straight up. So it wasn't an opportunity. People would go, that was, that's a great opportunity. No, it's a great way for me to get a divorce. Because opportunity is when I can spread that thing around. Where she finds opportunity and I find opportunity. See, vision has to be seen by all that's affected. That's why it takes time. And we don't jump at the first thing that happens. Right, baby? There's been plenty of first-time jumping opportunities that I've turned down. Because they weren't the right thing for all of us. Ministry. Hey, you know, this is one of those things. Just get to know your church family. You know, opportunities to reach the community and time to dedicate to people. You know, everybody has a ministry of reconciliation. Everybody has a ministry to be able to talk to other people. Put down some visions. Listen to the Holy Spirit about that because this is the way that God wants you to handle your life is he wants you to be able to handle it in your family he wants you to be able to handle it in your job and your own personal ministry you know if if anything that i talked to you guys about today you know touched your heart what i'm going to ask is i love doing homework right I, i've asked y'all to do homework several times over the next few weeks what i want you to do is i want you to write down on a tablet we actually have tablets now so I mean you can actually write it on an iPad you can actually write it on a post-it note put it in your freezer you can write it on a piece of paper heck my kids are getting these things that you write down you scan the QR code and it uploads it into your tablet there's all kinds of ways for us to be able to do it but you do it and then you put it in some place to where you can run with it. So over the next few coming weeks, I want you to write down on a piece of paper, on your tablet, and I want you to have the visions that God is putting in your heart for 2022. If you want to put down, lose 15 pounds, that's fine, but those are the kind of things that I find are more willpower than actually God's will. Yes, God wants you to be healthy, but, you know, I've, I've found that, you know, a lot of these things that you're going to have to do, you have to listen to what God's telling you to do. And you have to let God be that person in your life that is giving you the right path 
that he's the way, the truth, and the life. So just willy-nilly going, I just want to look better. I want to have more hair. My yarmulke back here is getting more and more spread out. See, all those things are fine and nice, and you can write those things down. But I would spend most of my time writing down the visions that God has placed in your heart. And right now, I'm going to pray over us that there is a peace and that God is showing us right now what we need to be writing. So everybody bow your head. We're going to pray and just ask God to give us ideas and visions. Father, we come to you in Jesus' name. We just thank you that you are giving us these ideas and visions, Father. That you're making them to where we can write them down and we can run with them, Father. That we can tell people, the lions in our life, that the brave people, they can stand up and that they give us their full attention and they help us to run, Father. I just pray in Jesus' name over each and every person in here, even myself, Father, just download more and more visions so that we can write them down and run. Father, give us a peace about where to go. Help us to not see the shadow that's over our valley as the final verdict. But Father, that we're coming out of those shadows and that it's all light. That you've given us the light and the liberty of God to be able to do the things that you are putting in our hearts. And that you're giving us the people and the resources and the opportunities, the money and the ability. Father, we're willing to work for the things that you're putting in our heart. And we just thank you for it in Jesus' name. You know, I'm going to ask this. I just feel like I need to. If somebody in here has not accepted Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, I just ask right now that you say these words with me. That if you're saying, I I believe now in Jesus because I believe that he is that connector that is on the inside of me, that God brought him, that over the last few weeks I've been listening and that the Holy Spirit has been just revealing Jesus to me. Then I just ask that you just say this simple prayer with me right now. I just say right now, Father, I love you and I thank you for sending Jesus to die on the cross for my sins. I believe that Jesus died for me and that my sins are forgiven now because I believe that he lived and that he rose from the dead. And I just pray right now that I am a part of the family. In Jesus' name, amen. If you said that simple little prayer right there, then you have become a part of the family. You are now in Christ. Now the Holy Spirit lives on the inside of you. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says that you've become a new creature in Christ Jesus. And that because you've become a new creature in Christ Jesus, now your spirit has been made full and whole. Amen, amen. If you have any other prayer requests or anything, then I will be available after service to talk with you about that. 
that you're all dismissed. Thank you.